Hello and welcome to the Otter Podcast. I'm your host, Madison Page, and today is the day of thanks. While most people gather around your roasting turkey, your mashed potatoes, and your many iterations of pie, one was plotting a murder most foul. Today on the Otter, we talk about the Thanksgiving murders of Joel and Lisa Guy. So get your stretchy pants on and get ready for a food coma, and let's go! Thanksgiving to all of my American followers that is what a treat an episode falls right on turkey day I hope all of my listeners are able to celebrate today in the way that makes them happiest for the returning listeners welcome back for the new listeners welcome welcome to the otter podcast where we are a trail mix bag of all things unknown unsolved and just plain odd for those listening on this holiday go ahead and get yourself a second plate For those listening on the way to a relative's house, don't miss your exit. And for those listening while putting the final touches on dinner, are you sure you used enough salt? We have a special treat for you today, a murder committed in the season of the bird. Now I do need to put some warnings on this episode. There will be mentions of murder, acid baths, and body dismemberment. If any of this is outside your comfort zone, hey, no worries. Grab yourself a scoop of stuffing and maybe listen to last week's episode on the Winchester Mystery House instead. For those of you continuing on this adventure with me, get good and comfy and get prepared as we go back to Thanksgiving 2016. Thanksgiving is a time of togetherness for most people. We unite, we gather, we bury torches, we put up with each other, and we reaffirm our place in the lives of those we hold close. And this is exactly what the Guy family was doing on Thanksgiving 2016. Joel and Lisa Guy were a couple very much in love. They had a strong sense of family within their blended home. Joel had three daughters from a previous marriage to a woman named Patricia, and after marrying Lisa in 1985, when his first marriage fell apart, they had a son who they named after Joel Sr., but called Joel Michael. Lisa was thought of lovingly by her stepdaughters who said she was warm and always made sure their favorite food was in the cabinets when they came to stay. One of these daughters loved Lisa so much that her engagement ring was modeled on Lisa's. They lived an idealistic life in a beautiful two-story home in Knoxville, Tennessee. Joel was a pipeline engineer, and Lisa was a human resource accounts payable administrator. Now, this Thanksgiving was actually the last one the family was planning to spend in this house. Joel Sr.'s mother had passed away, and the couple had decided to sell their home and move into her property. This decision was made following the loss of Joel's job. Deciding that 61 was too late to start over in the job markets, Joel and Lisa decided to instead retire and enjoy their golden years closer to family back in Joel's hometown. The couple and daughters were all excited for this change in their life and looked forward to spending Christmas in the new house. Thanksgiving arrived and the family had a great holiday. The whole family was involved and an upbeat atmosphere left everyone in a good mood. This unfortunately would not last. Friday, November 25th was supposed to be Lisa's last day at work before she retired. Now Lisa was known to be very punctual. So when she did not arrive at work, her boss became concerned and attempted to contact her. Getting no answer, she then attempted to contact Joel. Again, receiving no answer. Concerned, she contacted the police to request a welfare check. 
The first check they made resulted in nothing unusual, and they reported back to her that while they received no answer, nothing was alarming. After trying once again to reach Lisa or Joel, another wellness check was called in. This time, horrors were found. Warning for those with a sensitive stomach as we are about to get into the nitty gritty. Detectives Jeremy McCord and Stephen Ballard were tasked with the second welfare check. Once again, they knocked but received no answer. Noticing the for sale sign in the front yard, they found it strange the lockbox wasn't attached to the door. The lockbox would have been standard for a listed house to provide ease of access for the real estate agent. Peeking in the front window, detectives noted that groceries were sitting in the front foyer. Among these groceries were items like ice cream and bacon that would not have been left sitting out. Overcome with unease, the police rounded the back of the home and noticed something extremely odd. The doorknob had been removed from the back door and instead had been placed on the front door. They could feel heat emanating from the house along with an odd chemical smell. Alarmed, officers opened one of the cars in the driveway and pressed the garage door opener giving them access to the house. Which, side note, if you have a garage door opener, be aware that people can use that as a way to break into your house. Be safe out there. Upon entry to the house, the officers discovered the thermostat was set to 90 degrees. On the table, they found both Joel and Lisa's wallets as well as a sledgehammer. Another table had long guns sitting atop. They passed the groceries they had spotted from outside and in the kitchen was a stock pot boiling on the stove. The chemical odor in the house was said to be so bad the officers had a physical reaction to it. Climbing the stairway, they heard a dog barking and found the family dog locked in a bedroom. After securing the dog, the police realized that down the hallway, they could see blood splattered all over the walls. Large blood stains were in the carpet and shredded women's clothes were piled up. Entering a bedroom, police came upon a horrific scene. In the bedroom, they found a pair of severed male hands. In the bathroom, two bodies were found sitting in blue tubs filled with a concoction of chemicals. These would soon be determined to be the bodies of Joel and Lisa Guy. Horrifically, that stockpot boiling on the stove would later reveal to contain Lisa's severed head. The clothing in the hall would be identified as Lisa's and was seemingly cut off after her death. Along with the clothes, police would find sewer line cleaner, baking soda, liquid fire drain cleaner, lye, hydroxygen peroxide, muriatic acid, bleach, and a bleach sprayer. A suitcase that had a note in it with the name of an Ace Hardware store and a notation about sewer line cleaner were also located. The mixture of all these chemicals in an attempt to dissolve the remains left the house so noxious investigators had to call in hazmat. An officer at the scene described it as the most horrific thing he had ever encountered in law enforcement in his life. How did a loving couple on the cusp of retirement who had just the day before sat down to a feast with their family suddenly end up dismembered? Who could commit a crime this heinous? It would not take long for police to find a suspect. Joel Michael Guy Jr. was not a man who felt the need to hold up his own weight. He graduated from the Louisiana School for Math, Science, and the Arts in 2006, but had never been employed and was entirely supported by his parents. In fact, Lisa's friend said she tirelessly worked only to give her son the entirety of her paycheck. 
Joel Michael spent one semester at George Washington University and then attended Louisiana State University, where he was supposedly trained to become a plastic surgeon. He was living in Baton Rouge in an apartment his parents paid for right up until the time of the murders. Joel Sr. had apparently had enough of financially supporting his son and told his daughters that the couple planned to cut him off after the holiday. It is unclear whether the couple ever got to inform Joel Michael of this. During the investigation at the house, police noticed Joel Michael drive by. Their suspicions raised, they placed him under surveillance. Joel's sisters would later also report strange behavior. Joel Michael was said to be reclusive, even around his family. His sisters reported that he would avoid family dinners, stay in his room during visits, and seemed entirely determined to keep to himself. However, that Thanksgiving, he was out and amongst the family and seemed to be in high spirits. He had even given his nephew some of his old toys. This sudden change in character was alarming to the sisters, but with lives and worries of their own, they could not afford to dwell on it. The most damning evidence would come in, in Joel Michael's own handwriting. In the course of investigating the house, police would discover a notebook. In this notebook, they would find notes and plans that Joel Michael had jotted down on killing his parents. It would contain notes such as, does not matter where they're killed, just get rid of bloody spots to prevent evidence of time of death. And flush chunks down toilet, not garbage disposal. Joel Michael listed items like a sledgehammer and killing knives, quotation marks, needed to murder his parents and a plan of where and when to kill them. He planned to use the sledgehammer to crush his parents' bones. Quote, bring blender and food grinder, the note said, grind meat flush chunks down the toilet. Later, police would find receipts showing he had bought the chemicals at a Walmart in Knoxville. When his car trunk was opened in Louisiana after the arrest, he had a meat grinder in the trunk. In one note it said, kill dog, but that was crossed out and replaced with, take the dog with you, which he obviously didn't do. Other notes detailed his plans to make it appear as though Joel Sr. killed his wife with notes like cut off his arm and plant his flesh under her fingernails, place her hand with his DNA so that his DNA is not washed away by shower. Now I have no claims to getting inside the mind of killers, but I'd like someone to explain to me how a man can kill his wife and then dismember himself. If the plan here was to make it look like Joel Sr. killed his wife and then committed suicide, he would need to be in one piece to make that passable. Joel Michael really thought he was all that in a bag of chips when he was making this plan and conveniently leaving this evidence at the murder scene. It would also shine a light on his motive. I'm sure you're never going to guess it, but the guys were killed for their life insurance policy. In his notebook, he listed his parents' assets in detail and provided some insight as to how he would achieve gaining his parents' property to include life insurance, the Knoxville house, his grandmother's house, a car, an SUV, a boat, and an old truck. One note states, quote, her life insurance, 500000 possibly more with double indemnity. Other notes made additional references to even going after his half-sisters to get more. It seemed that he was primarily focused on his mother as he would get the full beneficiary of her life insurance because his sisters were only her stepdaughter, so he was the full beneficiary on her life insurance policy. 
Backed by all this evidence, Joel Michael Guy Jr. was arrested a day after the bodies were discovered and charged with two counts of first-degree murder, felony murder, and abuse of a corpse. His trial lasted four days and involved more than 700 pieces of evidence and 27 witnesses. During this trial, prosecutors laid out what they believed to be the events leading up to the discovery of the bodies. Police believe the couple were killed sometime between Friday and midday Saturday. One note in the journal mentioned the possibility of using a ruse to get Joel Sr. under the sink to fix an imaginary issue before Joel Michael could attack him. However, this did not come to fruition, and it is instead believed that Michael simply attacked his father when his mother was away from the home. He suffered 42 stab wounds so brutal that 12 marks were left on his ribs that ranged from scratches to severing. The worst damage was caused to his lungs, kidney, and liver. He also had an injury on his shoulder so severe that a fragment of the weapon was deposited in the muscle. Then, Joel Sr.'s hands were severed at the wrist, his arms severed at the shoulder, and legs removed at the hip. According to court records, his foot was severed at the ankle. After the murder, his clothing was cut off, his body, and left in a bloody pile on the floor. Lisa Guy was attacked after bringing in the groceries. She was stabbed 31 times, causing 21 severe injuries and severing 9 of her ribs. Her clothing was cut off her body and left on the floor. Her arms were severed at the shoulders and her legs cut below the knee. Their bodies were placed in two 45-gallon containers with a mixture of drain cleaner, bleach, hydrogen peroxide, sewer line cleaner, and other chemicals trying to quickly dissolve their bodies in a homemade acid solution. Joel Michael was injured in this attack and was later captured on camera at Walmart buying bandages and ointment. He would attempt to return to the scene to clean up his mess, but by that time, police were already there. The crime scene was so unimaginable that state prosecutors would describe the discovery as a diabolical stew of human remains. Joel Michael Guy Jr. was found guilty on all charges, including two counts of first-degree murder, three counts of first-degree felony murder, and two counts of abuse of a corpse. According to Knox County Judge Sword, the jury found him guilty unanimously on all seven counts. The judge told Joel Michael that he thinks he's smarter than he really is, saying that the crime was committed in a very unintelligent way. Judge Sword said Joel Michael showed no remorse for his actions during the trial and even appeared proud of himself. He also said Joel Michael had a depraved mind that would not change over time. Joel Michael Guy Jr. will not be eligible for release for 130 years. However, during sentencing, Judge Sword said 300 years isn't enough time to reasonably relate to what he did. Joel Michael Guy Jr. is currently serving out his life sentence at the Northwest Correctional Complex in Tiptonville, Tennessee. He will be eligible for parole on January 24, 2136. The victim's family remembers them lovingly as soulmates. Their daughter Angela described her father as a great storyteller and how she loved to go fishing with him and how she was robbed of her father walking her down the aisle. Another daughter, Tina, stated, Dad and Lisa were wonderful. They were larger than life. They loved him so much. They loved all of us. As if the death of Lisa and Guy were not enough, Lisa's grandmother collapsed upon hearing the news of her death and was rushed to the hospital where she unfortunately died. 
There is not a life in the family that Joel Michael Guy Jr. did not touch with his selfish greed. He was a lazy, self-centered child of a man who killed the people who loved and supported him in an abhorrent manner and then left a checklist of his inadequacies at the scene. He will remain in prison where he belongs for the rest of his days. Well, that's all for this episode. So what did you think? What a creep, right? Why did he leave the notebook so conspicuous? Are you a canned cranberry sauce person or a homemade cranberry sauce person? Let us know what you think on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram and leave a review. The Otterpod may or may not be on Twitter forever with what's going on with that, but as I hardly use it, I don't think it will be a major loss. The Otterpod is now on TikTok. Come follow us there. Have a suggestion for a show? Send me an email at theotterpod at gmail.com with your request and whether you'd like me to mention your name, your alias, or nothing at all. Remember, this is the otter side, so give me something cool, creepy, or confusing to deep dive for you. If you liked the show, leave us a review. They really help. I hope everyone has a great Thanksgiving. The Otter Podcast posts every other Thursday. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time on the otter side. Otter side.